Listen to Score North in your car on AM 1500, 94.5 HD2, or by tapping the Score North app on your Apple CarPlay or Android Auto screens. Swing and a drive, first pitch, it's two to nothing. The rain has come again. It's 10 days of Twins Talk on Mackie and Judd with Rami. Hey, Wetmore, it's Zolgad. I got a question. Yes, sir. Did you, I mean, did, did it get uncomfortable? Did you stock the bringer of rain? Because, like, I've seen your tweets and I've seen your notes to us and I've read your story. And I don't know if I'm comfortable if if you, like, observed him a, as a reporter or followed him into the shower stall at one point. Like, how, how personal did this get? That would be one way to find out if he really brings the rain, I guess. Once oh, they, uh, wait, ignoring that for a second, yeah, thank Phil, you. once they got that. into thank the you. clubhouse, it was, hey, Here's a wall. This is your place of work. When he went to his car afterwards, Judd, I, you know, I politely allowed him to get in and drive away without me in the passenger seat. Okay. <laughs> but otherwise, I tried to stay in his hip pocket pretty much all day. So we sent Wetmore down for a couple weeks here to the uh, first portion of Twin Spring training, and you can find all of his written coverage on scornorth.com. You can check out the Scornorth Twin Show, Jacob Arizzi explaining in great detail his success last year, also a sit-down with Derek Falvey, but... The topic today, and we're going to get into some other stuff too here, but what impact has Josh Donaldson had in these first few days of position players being in and around Twins camp, Derek Wetmore? Yeah, man, it was really cool to see. The first day he got there um, was actually two days ago. He he showed up, and I didn't even know he was here yet. There was some, you started to hear some rumbling, hey, Josh showed up, and this was like later in the day after workouts and stuff. So I go downstairs, and we do our press stuff. We talk to Rocco Baldelli like after the workouts. And then there's Josh Donaldson in the Twins batting cage with a bunch of minor leaguers and prospects from Royce Lewis to Travis Blankenhorn, Ryan Jeffers, Brent Rooker. It was, it was just like a clinic from Donaldson to these young hitters. And so that was pretty cool on its own to see, like, hey, this guy didn't have to do this. He could have just, you know, walked in, signed his name on a sheet. You know, got his workout gear and left. But he didn't. He did way more than that. So I was curious. And I followed him around yesterday. And it was, first it was a round of uh, BP with Miguel Sano, Nelson Cruz, and Eddie Rosario. Then he took infield. And, like, the impression I get from this guy is, well, one, like, rambunctious energy. But he channels it into his work. And two, he just seems to be obsessed with helping other people around him. He couldn't stop. Um, even between his own drills of taking these ground balls, from giving pointers to Travis Blankenhorn about how to attack ground balls at third base. The drill was done, and his day could have been over, and instead he asked like Royce Lewis if he'd hang back on the field with him, and they just talked the finer points of defensive positioning and charging ground balls and glove hand transfers. It was, I mean, it was really a master class, and it was fascinating to watch how uh, yeah obsessed he is with Football. relaying some of the wisdom. Baseball. Yeah. Baseball. Yeah, we need a new one. We Gotta need... eat. Yeah. When you when Derek it's starts fly. Ta- when <laughs> when Derek starts talking about glove hand transfers. Oh yeah. That's awesome. Baseball. So, I mean, guys, yeah. like we we can talk about the contract and we can talk about how many homers they hope he hits and and how good he plays third base defensively. Ultimately, that's the kind of stuff that they're paying him for. Yep. But it is really cool to see this fringe benefit that that uh, he's just 
obsessed with helping anyone else who's willing to listen. So I'll, I'll bite. The Wilds of mask over basketball, as you probably know, melted down on mm. Sunday. So I'll go in a very positive direction and ask you this. What's the dynamic, and, and I don't mean among the two players, but for the clubhouse as a whole, Derek, between what Cruz and now Josh are going to bring, too? Because, I mean, we saw, you know, Cruz's operation in that clubhouse in 2019 I thought was beyond impressive, and guys were naturally drawn to him, and he certainly has something that qualifies, in my mind, as the sports it factor. Mm-hmm. So if we're going to add Donaldson as well, what is, what's the clubhouse like now? Because... To me, a year ago, it seemed incredibly professional. But if we're now going to get sort of a baseball hardcore lifer type of guy who, who also happens to hit 30 home runs, that's a dynamic that, that could take it up a notch, I would guess. You're right. I, I think that that is what's going to happen. It's hard to read you know, group and relationship dynamics for 25-plus people over a six-month season. But the difference between Donaldson and Cruz and just in my early dealings with Josh down here in Fort Myers is the energy level. Not that Cruz doesn't bring it. Like, he's very motivated. And, you know, you saw it last year, Judd. He he takes it so seriously to get ready for those five ABs he was going to have. So you're saying Josh day. Josh will not be napping is what you're telling me. No, I think, uh, I don't know if he sleeps like 10 hours a night and then chugs two Red Bulls before he comes to the park or what, but it is just constant with the energy and not in a um, not in an uncontrolled way. Do you know what I mean? He's just he's just here for this activity, whatever this activity is. If it's ground balls, I'm here for this. I'm going to do this as well as I possibly can. If it's uh, BP out in the backfields with Nelson Cruz, Miguel Sano, and Eddie Rosario, uh, he's going to try to hit him about 500 feet and get his work in in the process. He's he's been really impressive in the first 48 hours I've seen him. Uh, you said Derek Wetmore down in Fort Myers right now find his Scorner Twin show that he hosts almost every day down there, anywhere you find podcasts. You said in your note to us earlier in the day that, and, and, I, and I put this in quotes, Miguel Snow is in the best shape of his life. Yes, yes. So uh, elaborate for us. Are we talking six-pack? Like how big are the pythons? <laughs> what does he uh, look like? What's the vibe around Miguel Snow? So... I think this is actually an extension of what's happened last year. And I, I put that out because best shape of his life is like a constant spring training joke. But in this case, I do think there's merit to it. This is a guy who the Twins signed him when he was 16. And seemingly ever since he got to the big leagues, right, he had that great 2015 debut from July to the end of the year. And then, Pat, I think it was the next year, our friend Patrick Royce wrote the column that, like, this guy's not in great shape. What happened this winter? Literally since that offseason, it's been an ongoing question with Miguel. And last year, there was all this talk around Twins camp. And even before I got here, I think I started to hear some whispers about, like, this guy's really getting after it. He's, he's taking it pretty seriously. Just wait till you see Miguel Sano. Well, then you remember he came in with the gash on his heel, and it ended up sidelining him the first six weeks of the season. So this year, you know, he's healthy. And he's still so committed to that uh, off-season conditioning program. Hello, Nelson Cruz. Thank you for the impact that you've made there. Exactly. And he's just, I mean, he's a monster. I've, I've been covering him since I started covering the Twins, basically. And this is, this is easily the best condition I've seen him in. He was ripping balls out to left center yesterday. Uh, granted, it's batting practice, but still. I mean, he is a, uh, he is a physical specimen, and I asked Rocco Baldelli about the... Uh, best shape of his life anecdote 
And Rocco is uh, obviously well aware of the uh, best shape of his life cliche. And so he danced around it a little bit, and he said uh, he he likes what Miguel did this offseason and came into camp ready to go. He said he's looking to me like a supreme athlete. That's some high praise there. So what what is the tentative plan uh, that the Twins have for Miguel as far as now beginning on on trying to continue the transition of making him a quality opening day first baseman, Derek Wetmore? Yeah, it's a big question, and I don't think it's one that the Twins can take lightly. But is um, it a good question? Yeah, it's a, it's a, is it a good question. question. That's Josh. all that matters on this show. <laughs> big questions are, ha, huh, I just question. picture Great you guys, question. like, dancing around the studio and doing like a touchdown dance after i say should have seen me after washinsky said i asked a great question about boudreaux (laughs) nice yeah well i'm i uh don't think i could hold a candle to him but i will say that the twins are dedicated to it because they know that runs are runs like that's it's a it's a bit of a cliche in baseball um you can win games with your bats, and you can win games with your pitching. And the Twins are going to hope to do a lot of winning with their bats, but you can also win games by having a great defense. It's why it's why Byron Buxton is so crucial in 2020. Like, not to get off the topic of Sano, but if you can save runs defensively, you don't have to score a thousand runs to win a bunch of games. So if you just have a hole in the middle of your infield, or in this case, one of the corners of your infield. You're just leaking runs, and great, if you go hit 40, then, all right, we'll probably take it. But it's a trade-off that the Twins are consciously making here to move this guy over to first base, which covers up really his biggest defensive asset, I would say, which is his arm. Um, Of course, if you get somebody like Josh Donaldson, it makes that transition much, much easier to stomach. But I heard uh, Justin Morneau is going to be down here this spring, Judd. I wouldn't be shocked to learn he's working a little bit with Sano. Um, and you just got to get time and attention, dedicated effort. Uh, it's something Rocco Baldelli talked about without getting into specifics about how they're going to help him. But, yeah, I mean, if they could make him uh, even league average there at the position and he's still got that great, great bat, then they found themselves a real player here. And uh, both corners of the infield will be spoken for. So you brought up Myron Buxton, and it's it's my opinion that I'm not saying that people should be talking about him because he has sort of, with the injuries and some of the inconsistent performances, I think think he sort of has made his bed to this point. Some of it is not his fault, but um, what do you think, what is the chatter around him, and what do you think the expectation of Byron Buxton in 2020 should be? Boy, the chatter is they're going to do everything they can to keep him on the field. And that starts with the conversation. Judd, you and I have talked about this going back more than a year now on the how can you communicate with this guy who is, again, another supremely gifted athlete um, and a a very uh, daring baseball player, I think is the best way to put it. He, I mean, he doesn't leave anything out there. To his detriment, right? We've seen him not only crash into walls, but coming in, diving on balls, collisions in the outfield, going back to the minor leagues. This guy's costing himself game time by how recklessly he plays. Now, on the same coin, that recklessness makes him the best center fielder on the planet. So there's a trade in my mind of, are you willing to take 95% of Byron Buxton if it means he, you know, draws down on the injuries or he's not taking these same game-changing risks that's the chatter to me phil is 
not is this guy capable of being a big leaguer. He showed for a half a season last year, wow, that's an all-star. But if he's not capable of playing more than 110 games, then what's the, the upside is limited there. I'll, I'll put it that way. So he's recovering from his shoulder labrum surgery this winter. I don't know for sure if he'll be ready for opening day. Um, the Twins are taking it slow, but they've said so far he's hit all of his rehab check marks. And I think that's one of the three biggest questions facing the Twins this year is not only can Byron Buxton get back on the field and perform, but can he stay there and do it for 140-plus games this year? What's your sense of what plan B is in center field if he can't? Uh, maybe go to a two-outfielder system and five infielders and a catcher. Hey, it's 2020. <laughs> don't joke. People are going to write that now. Uh, That's yeah, a pretty I don't good know. idea by Wetmore. The, Ray, the Rays know. will probably do that yeah. sometime in 2020. Yeah. yeah, so that was actually another place I was going with that. So Kevin Pillar signed with the Red Sox. He would have been a backup option that I was thinking for the Twins, Judd. And the Rays made another trade for an outfielder. They're kind of loaded in a bunch of spots. I look at their roster and I think, they're not done adjusting this, are they? How could they possibly go in with this roster of position players? So anyway, I don't know if they're going to trade somebody. I don't know if the Rays would be open to it. And I certainly don't know if they'd be willing to move on from Kevin Kiermeyer if they were willing to make a deal. But things like that, if, if this doesn't go to plan for the Twins... That'd be the kind of thing I'd explore. I'd look to the trade market rather than just roll with what you got. Jake Cave is a nice player, and he belongs on a big league team. But I look at the Twins with a healthy and productive Byron Buxton and the Twins without a healthy and productive Byron Buxton, and I see two drastically different teams in 2020. Hey, uh, what's the? I feel like there's all these clubhouses, and we're going to play some of the audio of Rob Manfred here shortly. Uh, from the weekend and get some quotes that maybe people haven't seen from like Justin Turner, but it feels like the Twins have been pretty quiet on the cheating scandal, even though they have players who were involved and or uh, played in the 2017 World Series. So what is the dynamic in that clubhouse and in and around the team these last few days now that everyone is, is in camp? It's something they're monitoring closely. It's Rocco's you know, he is the inclusive guy. He wants everybody to be feeling supremely comfortable so that they can perform at their peak capability. And so this is going to be an ongoing conversation. You referenced it. Kenta Maeda and Rich Hill, both on this pitching staff, both played against the Astros in the 2017 World Series. Marwin Gonzalez, for his part, I thought he handled it pretty well when he came out last Monday and said, I, you know, I regret what happened. I wanted to express remorse. I wish we could change it, but we can't. And then when somebody asked him, would it be the same outcome if you guys weren't cheating? He said, I don't know that we can answer that question. You know, he just, he felt bad for what happened and he wanted to face it. So for my money, Phil, he's done way better than just about every other (laughs) Astro on the planet. And I think that does help. Um, as for is it going to affect the dynamics this summer? I I have no idea. It's really hard for me to read. I've just talked to talked to Falvey about it. Um, Jim Polat addressed this at Twins Fest, as did Dave St. Peter. I wrote a story about that for ScoreNorth.com, and then Marwin came out and talked about it. I I don't uh, I don't sense the animosity towards Marwin specifically when I stand around and hang out in that Twins clubhouse and I talk to players. But I can guarantee you that the way some current players are boldly going on the record with talking about how ludicrous it is what the Astros did to baseball and now are basically, what, allowed to walk scot-free? 
I can tell you that's not sitting well in the 29 other clubhouses around Major League Baseball. Yeah. Uh, Nor should it be. Yeah, and we're we're going to open up baseball vent line here in like 10 minutes. I'm Mackie and Jeff with Rami to talk about just that. I'm guessing Rami's going to call in to bash his good buddy, Rob Manfred. He wouldn't miss an opportunity for that. Yeah. You know what's funny? Like, Rami, you know, he's been on our show for over a year, and like one of his main things that he goes back to in terms of people he criticizes is Rob Manfred. And I've always like been a little bit indifferent on Manfred until this weekend especially. Yeah. Uh, but we'll, we're going to play some of that audio coming up here. Hey, what can people find from you on scorenorth.com and on the Scornorth Twin Show, Derek? On the Twin Show, I talked with our good friend Patrick Royce this morning. It's the latest in a, a line of pretty fun guests I've had here in the last week. Derek Falvey, Jake Odorizzi cut open a vein. It was amazing on pitching. And then Royce and I had a lot of fun this morning on that show. Um, working on a story here that I, I, well, I'll spill the beans to you guys. Uh, I, the Twins are using some new technology here in spring training, and I think it's going to spill over into the season. They're called force plates. And they really, you get it on it. You throw, a plate, you throw a plate against the step of the dugout once if it's a fastball and twice <laughs> yeah. if it's a curveball. No, no, Force no, no I'm not at Astros camp. Oh, okay. Uh, Thank but you. yeah, they, you know, you stand on the plates and you swing and it measures your ground force. Or you stand on a mound and you pitch and it measures, you know, your impulse force towards home plate. It's a, it's a really fascinating piece of technology. I don't know where the story's going yet, but... You can look for that in the next day or two here on scorenorth.com as well. Boy, we got to get that baseball sounder, man. Baseball. Like this. It needs to be Manny Hill's Football! Amazing. That is Derek Wetmore. Find him on the Scorenorth Twin Show and on scorenorth.com. Uh, thank you for joining us. We will talk to you tomorrow, sir. Thanks, you guys. All right, we'll see, see you. Fade Derek. And if you're wondering what that noise is in the background. Is that George Toma you suppose working? Those are leaf blowers. Yeah. Planning to buy a new boat this year? Glenn Perkins here for my friends at Nelson Marine. The Nelson Marine difference is about customer service and a knowledgeable team of sales and service pros. Two large showrooms filled with an impressive inventory of the best brands in the business. London Crestliner Fishing Boats, South Bay Pontoons, powered by Yamaha, Suzuki, Mercury, and Evinrude. Nelson Marine has been creating happy customers for 75 years. Visit their showroom on Highway 61 in White Bear Lake online at nelsonmarine.biz. Hey, Scornorth listeners, it's Phil Mackey here for Federated Mutual Insurance Company, which is here to give business owners that peace of mind that you need when you've built a company with your blood, your sweat, your tears, maybe not your blood, but whatever. Like, you built a company, and you want your insurance team to be ready with a game plan that helps you recover, if needed, recover smoothly so you can get on with running your business. Federated has a century of experience in helping business owners. You can find out more about the industries Federated protects at their website, federatedinsurance.com. And remember, Federated Insurance, it's their business to protect you.